Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Honey Hub podcast. Application season is wrapping up in most states, but still, lots of fall hunting plans are being made. So within those states you're applying, you have to figure out kind of what and where you're going to be hunting. If you're new to hunting, this is a daunting task for sure. If you're a vetter, veteran hunting hunter, uh, you may end up going maybe to the same place over and over again, season after season. That can be fine, but mixing it up and going on a new adventure can really bring a lot of excitement to your fall. I've ran into a lot of camps in the fall that they end up saying, man, I've been coming back here 15, 20 years or so, and they come, they have a great time with their buddies, and it's a fun hunt for them. For some, that's that's good enough, and that fills the hunting void. Their big trip for the year, and they have a really good time. Good for you. Keep keep at it. But for me, that's not enough. I love moving around to new areas, checking out new ground, trying new units that I've never been to, trying to draw something kind of unique, not a huge trophy unit or anything, but trying to find some new places, the high country, the low country, the plains, the uh, the foothills, the mountains, the whatever, uh, all over the place, trying to find some different kinds of, kinds of places, the desert, uh, the high desert, all those places attract me for, uh, hunting something just a little different in a little different way. So in this episode, I have for you, my recipe of finding a place to hunt. If you've enjoyed previous episodes and you listen to Apple, scroll down, give me maybe a five-star rating. That'd be great. Also, click that follow button on Apple or Spotify. Thanks again for listening, and here we go. So tonight was boys' night. Got my almost four-year-old, and I got my one-month-old. And boys' night, we're having our dessert and watching bear hunting. I had a kind of a cool little moment there, but then a really worrisome moment. And, and if you've kind of paid attention to some of my previous episodes, chat, chatting with John Sloan, Howell, all those guys, 
I got really nervous uh, because Ty, my four-year-old, almost four-year-old, says he wants to go bear hunting. He wants to go do. He said he wanted to watch hunting. I had nothing to do with what we put on while we were just getting settled down for the night. It was bear hunting that he wanted to watch. And I just started to envision, oh man, now I got my two boys. I have that. I have that little seed and planted that this is what we do. And it's fun. And what I do, it's fun, exciting. And he's wanting to be a part of that. But I got really nervous about that hunting even being there when it's time to take him. He's going to have to be 12 or so to go to Colorado to shoot a bear. That may not even last for him to be five. Uh, what John Sloan and Howell has shared with me about the left sneaking in, the antis sneaking in little pieces in onto ballots and potentially having bear hunting, mountain lion hunting, and bobcat hunting trapping put onto a ballot for the fall scares the crap out of me and makes me really nervous. Bear hunting in Colorado is something is very near and dear to my heart. My dad and I have enjoyed that together. I would love to enjoy that with my boys. I love eating bear. I love hunting bear, and I would hate for that to not be around. Uh, so please pay attention to that. Check out my episode with John Stallone. It will be up in the next week or two, I, I think, uh, on his pat podcast, Days in the Wild. We chat about some things around around this this sort of topic how this is a could be a very real thing that this ends up on a ballot and it would be gone it's it's a almost a guaranteed loss if it ends up in a on the ballot so very scary thing uh made me think about it tonight and kind of made me a little sad i don't want to see that go so in the meantime i'll advocate for learning how to communicate. And I talk about that on the podcast with John to communicate effectively with non hunters to make sure we don't lose another great hunting opportunity. And I'm going to continue to plan more hunts. So buddy of mine, we started talking about Montana, very simply talking about just applying, buying points, trying to understand a new system. So we feel kind of like newbie hunters again, and we're going to just start by buying points. We'll be even, with our point numbers and they have bonus points there. So we're going to start digging into that. If any of you Montana hunters want to jump on a podcast and share with us a little bit about what that's all about, how to do it, break down a season. I need to maybe get with the fishing game there and see if we can't get them on to kind of talk about it and help bridge that, that uh, learning curve. But skipping ahead to after choosing a state in a general region, uh, we need to look at where we want to go to hunt. And I've kind of put a lot of thought into this recently. And I wanted to share some of those thoughts as to what I am doing and choosing a place to hunt. Not that I have the most amazing hunting spots. Uh, I have a pretty amazing elk hunting spot. I'll take that back. I've got a couple of really good deer hunting spots. They're not perfect. I don't have those places where I have been watching this deer for five years. It's not a thing for me. Uh, I don't think I've ever even seen the same deer twice. I don't, I, uh, that's probably because I don't go to this, the same places too often, or I don't spend enough time in them. Uh, but also I'm trigger happy. So I see that deer, he might just die. Uh, but that's going to happen. And same with any elk, any legal bull coming in done. So, uh, I imagine if I were to get into my elk country, now that I've been there enough, 
may recognize some similar bulls, but there's just so many bulls it just may not even be the case. So anyway, we need to first ask ourselves and choosing after choosing the state and region all that, we need to first ask ourselves, what type of experience are we looking for? We are I would highly suggest not just focusing on where you're hunting uh to be based on trophy size, uh, maybe availability of deer, how many game are there, that, that's fine. But I would look at what kind of experience and hunt you're looking for. What is the terrain like? Do you want to go high alpine? Do you want to go desert? Do you want to go uh, into the rolling hills, prairie? What is it? Do you Are you wanting to have an adventure hunt? Are you wanting to do a backpack hunt, something multiple nights? Do you want to stay close to... Uh, the truck? Do you want to stay close to a four-wheeler or a camper? Do you want to have a big group? Uh, is it a, you want to work in with a landowner and get to know that piece of property? And and like I did last year, I did that. Uh, spent time on some private agricultural ground uh, where I may have hiked 100 yards from the truck. It wasn't too strenuous. So uh, species, what kind of species is it? What's your method to take? And then what's your hunting style? Is it, is it very, is it spot and stock? Is it sneaking in? Is it quite, is it tree stand hunting? Going through all those steps to start asking a question, what kind of experience you're looking for? As soon as you can answer that, you can start to put together this picture. If it is a prairie hunt, and I'm going to just keep going back to this example of, I am really interested in a prairie hunt. I hunted the the hills for whitetails last year and it was a great time, but um, I'm focused more on a prairie hunt and I'm doing that in multiple states. I'm doing that in Colorado and I'm doing it in South Dakota. I would do that in Wyoming if I had the time. I'd do it in Montana if I had the time. So this is the year of prairie hunts for me. Prairie and maybe rolling hills and I guess I got a little bit of river bottom in there too. So we're going to see what this all shakes out to be because I haven't done some of these steps I'm going to share with you here in a little bit. Before even hitting this, getting into this, you need to also decide and find out, can you even draw the tag? Don't start playing in a hunting uh, unit two elk hunt if you've got two points. It's not going to happen. So you need to plan for... Uh, tags that you can draw this year or you are in the running for or you could draw in the next five years or so that's kind of how I look at that I don't really plan past five years I kind of look at those those units that I really want to spend some time in in the next five years I'm not a points builder I like to build maybe three to seven or ten points and that's it I've never had never had over I don't know seven, what I have now in Colorado. Uh, so it'll be, uh, interesting to see as I build those, I'm getting going to want to burn them and just start building them all up again. So the first step we have that infamous e-scouting and I don't even like saying that e-scouting cause it's just slow to loaded and, uh, us, you, people, YouTubers and influencers and whatever people on hunting TV, they always just go e-scout, go do this. But what is, it's tough to understand what that means and really be able to dive into it. So I want to try and do my best to explain this the best I can. So yes, this is the place you go to, uh, go to, but, but not going to give you the absolute best information. This is just a piece of the puzzle. Keep that in mind. It's just a piece of the puzzle and things I'm looking for. So water, if it's important, open meadows, depending on the species, glassing points, 
eh, if I am wanting to do some glassing and it fits into my, my style of hunting, if I need to do glassing, maybe I don't. Uh, bedding areas, north facing, that uh, includes some north facing cover. That may or may not be important. Hidden little bowls, that is almost always in my repertoire of, of finding a place to hunt. I like hidden bowls, B O W L S, little areas where they're going to be hanging out away from cover. And then property edges and what's going to be on that private. Those are also always on my scouting list. Next, access. This is one of the biggest pieces for me. What does the access look like? Look at the access uh, to areas backwards, almost like, almost like you are hiking into it virtually. We don't know our destination, but we're just kind of, kind of go in there from maybe where we'd park and see if we can't make our way in there. Access is a big piece to my scouting. And then travel routes. So all that again, doesn't really matter. They don't, it doesn't mean anything unless you have some kind of context or some real example. So let me do my best to break some of those down in no real order. So here we go. Access. I look at it the same, no matter what species it is I'm hunting. When I'm out checking new areas, sometimes my vehicle or four wheeler just kind of picks the direction and I, and I go down it. Like it's the easy route or naturally I choose a location and go down it when I'm hiking. It's just the easy route. It's like, hmm, that seems like a good place to go. So I'll head on down that way. That seems like a good place to go. It's hard to decide to stop, consciously stop hiking, stop driving, take a hard left, a hard right, up a steep cl- uh, incline, down a steep incline, uh, decline, uh, or something that isn't an easy route. That I think is a key to finding good spots. If it's if the roads, trails, game trails just kind of take you there, it takes everyone else there too. So that is a very important piece to how I look at where I want to go. I like to choose areas that are just a little bit out of the beaten path. I'm not a 13 mile in kind of guy. I'm a one to three or four kind of guy. Uh, that's, that seems to be my area of where I can get it done. And I don't seem to have to go any deeper. I don't hunt big wilderness areas, but if big wilderness areas are what you have around you, yeah, probably going to have to get in there a little deeper. So I love finding those little access points and finding the, the areas that it's just kind of hard to get into. It may not take you a long time to get in, but it's a steep hill that someone may look at that and say, no, I don't think so. Moving on. So if you can have that mindset as you're driving past the trailheads, maybe it's not the end of the road. Maybe it's the start of the road or three quarters of the way down the road or a quarter of the way down the road where you just kind of stop there and you look off to your left and right and there may be an access point there that that gets you to another spot. Maybe it's just a couple hundred acres or get you into a certain little, again, hidden bowl uh, that is away from any pressure. So that's the next point. These little hidden bowls are kind of my favorite. They can't, you can't see a road from them. You can't see, uh, the pressure is, is it's almost like those bowls are, they're, they're not obvious. Uh, one of the big places that me and my buddy TJ has spent a lot of time in the last, I don't know, seven falls is uh, there's a big oil and gas road that drives right by it. 
and there's these big draws that the elk will be there, but it's right away in the morning and they're out of there within a couple of hour, an hour or so. Once they kind of feed through the open, they're going to get to that cover. But there are some little draws that are just out of sight. They are no more than a quarter mile off the road, but just out of sight. And you really wouldn't know that they're there unless you looked at a map or you hiked over there to see, oh, it drops down in here. And the, oh, there's actually a nice aspen pocket uh, with some some good cover for the day. So that's probably where they're going to hang out. Got good feeding and everything. And I almost killed a bull in one of those this year. Had I been a little more patient, just hung out, stayed a little tighter, that bull was coming. And from what TJ said, it was a nice six-point bull that I sure would have been happy with. So, again, another shoulda, coulda, woulda. Uh, I was watching an old solar hunter, solo hunter episode today or tonight with my boys, and they said he had said on there, elk hunting is just so full of what-ifs. There was another what-if. So close. So the next example here, water. Water isn't always that important. You hear the find the water, find the food, find the shelter. Well, I seem to get it done sometimes without worrying about water or worrying about some of those different things. Maybe I just suck at hunting. I don't know. But water is something I do pay heavy attention to in early seasons, warm weather elk hunting for sure, antelope hunting, or maybe a dry year for deer hunting. Uh, it's also important if I need some water. I found out that recently shed hunting with my pup, my dog drinks all my water. So that limited me to 10 miles a day, 12 miles a day, or I just needed to throw another bottle or two in, which just got a little heavier and I didn't like doing it. So uh, pay attention to a little bit of that water. I love to zoom in on Onyx and just find those little springs and then hike to them. Oh man, I forgot one of my examples there. I'm going to share in a minute is there was one of those springs. I was going to hike down to that. Uh, when I find all found all those elk sheds just recently, you have to check on my Instagram. I got a bunch of really nice, beautiful bull elk that I had found. And there was one water source there. It, was a, it said it was a spring. I didn't check it out. Should have checked that out because I bet you that's where the elk were going. And had I continued going to that, could have been another shed. Who knows? Because I don't know where there was any other water in the area other than where that could have been. And, again, I wouldn't have known that had I not had my Onyx on me and zoomed in and looked all around. So, uh, next one. I got an example of behind my house. There is a really cool bedding area. North-facing slope uh, to the west to the south um even further to the north there dips down to into a valley there's some probably good feeding area i would imagine the deer going there to feed some grassy areas uh decent grass it's not that pine needly stuff where there's not going to be a lot of a lot of feed for them but then i get into these little jack pines the short pines the uh, thicker cover in there and i hike in there and i see a bunch of beds like, and I kicked some deer out of there as well. So that let me know, okay, bedding area. Instantly mark that on Onyx. I don't know when I'm going to hunt back there, but now I've just learned something new about an area that, that I will probably spend some time doing a quick after work hunt someday. There's a bedding area. The next point I got, property edges. 
I really love hunting property lines. You do have to be careful with that uh, and make sure that you aren't you aren't crossing over those um, or, or pushing the boundaries of, the, of shooting an animal that has just ca- crossed or is about to cross because you're going to have to deal with some issues. But I've hunted a lot of those and not had that issue of something going across or some of those private gr- pieces. A lot of those private pieces can be safe havens. Uh, they can have agricultural fields. They can have cattle tanks, water, all of those on them. So don't just look at the water sources that are on the public. Look at water sources that are on the private. Uh, we were able to find, my dad and I had some, there was some success with that, I'd say. We learned a new area. We saw where the elk were watering in that same spot I was talking about earlier uh, along the oil and gas road uh, where they had been hanging out or they'd be going to water and then where they'd be coming from. Again, another piece there as we spent some time in the area and we got to know it. Next point, glassing points. Um, I, fortunately, this isn't quite as important for me. Based on the hunting that I do and the hunting style I have, I'm not much of a, I'm much more of a run and gun kind of hunter. However, when I do hunt uh, Arizona here in, in the future, I will need to be sitting down doing a little more glassing. And I do focus when I need to. I find a good spot that's got a lot of country that I just can't see. You got to sit down and and look. Uh, But I don't always look for those in my scouting, uh, e-scouting, but it is probably something I should be looking for. And how I know what those look like is maybe some sort of drop off. You got to have a gradual decline in a cliff or a point is not always the best. It can be gradual if it doesn't have a lot of vegetation on it, but then uh, also if it's not very far across to the area that you're glassing to, if there's not a lot of vegetation, you're in the wide open. And also if it's hot, it's not very fun to sit on. Um, so I would highly suggest in those those glassing points, looking for a drop-off of some sort where you're, you're able to see down into a valley. Uh, those glassing points are... You might mark a few and only one is a possibility. You may realize the vegetation is way too thick or you're just looking at a little piece. Some of that, you'd have to mark a bunch and, and once you get there, check it off the list as a, it worked, it didn't work. Next are those open meadows. These are definitely going to be more of your early and late feeding areas, say for elk and or deer or a uh, spring bear while we're in spring bear season or as pretty sure that's rolling now. Um, those, those areas are great for that. It's where you're getting a lot of the green, the fresh green up. So we want to take advantage of a lot of that green up those open meadows. If that fits into that style of hunting, something you want to throw on a waypoint and, uh, go and visit that travel routes. Those can be kind of difficult to uh, pinpoint, especially if you're there in the summer, I notice. Even even when I'm trying to do like summer game depredation trapping, looking at ground and trying to find like a coon trail is not very obvious in the summer. But say I go back there in the fall, it's dead obvious. You could just see where this coon is coming out of a tree. He's matted down all this grass and you can see him going to a cornfield. It's pretty obvious. Same sort of thing. Uh, in once all that green up has happened, it, it hides that a little bit. So don't be discouraged if you can't try find those travel routes, but some of them can be terrain based again, behind my house. I've been trying to find 
where these deer are moving through. And I found a little, almost a little ravine. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm trying to think of my geographical features, but it was a, it's just a little ravine where the deer cannot physically get through there any other way without going a couple hundred yards down one way. Actually, it's quite a few. It could be a thousand yards one way and a few hundred thousand or a few hundred, not a few hundred thousand, but a few hundred yards the other way. So they found this little pinch point. It's really easy to walk. Uh, and for an animal, it'd be the same thing. You got to realize that a deer, elk, and bear do want to find the the path of least resistance, but also gives them cover. That was it. It was a nice little travel route. I threw up a couple cameras up there for turkey season. Deer have been all over in it, and the trail shows it. I should keep a trail camera up there just to see. I know there's a mountain lion. I got to catch a mountain lion on the camera. That's something I haven't done, and I think that'd be pretty cool. So these places, the train makes a deer elk go because it's the easier way to get to, say, that bedding area. I use water with archery elk hunting more than anything. Uh, and I can determine maybe where some of that heavier cover is and where that water is and just be in between. And that has led to some success in the past for sure. This travel route thing needs needs more attention. A couple episodes ago, I had John Salone on and he suggested I just watch a piece of ground that I'm planning on hunting. But watching the deer and seeing what they do, the more you understand how they use the terrain, uh, the more you're going to be able to hunt it effectively. So that is getting to know the ground. I realize what I said earlier isn't helping me. If I skip around to some different hunting places, then I won't get to know it so intimately. This can all be done in in really like one to three seasons fairly easily. So get to know this piece of property. Now that you've dropped a bunch of waypoints, you've done your e-scouting, dropped waypoints all over. I always use blue. That's blue is my go-to. And then if I need to add in a go there to shed hunt, I add a shed uh, to it picture, or it's just a blue X, go there for this, go there for the elk, go there for, for deer. Now it's time to get there in the off season. So you've got a few points that you've dropped in a place that you want to check out. Uh, I've marked parking and then maybe two possible routes in there. And I'm really not sure on this place that I want to go hunt. After that, I really don't know what it looks like. I've kind of looked at it over and over again on Onyx and I can visualize it's got a lot of topography. So I don't can't visualize my easy way in there. And I got excited about that. That is what's going to keep some people out or most people out. It seemed like a lot of up and down, but it's not up and down a thousand foot cliffs. It's just up and down hundred foot little mounds, a little uh, rolling hills and, and a couple little steeper pieces. That's okay. Uh, that's what's going to lead to my success and others are going to stick towards the road. So as I check this spot out, it's just going to be a blind walk in so I can better understand it. And I'll just try and figure it out. Uh, I'm going to get to know that property. And I suggest whatever property you start marking, you just get to know it. Don't forget your trail trail cameras. Throw a couple in there uh, to see if you can figure out what that is. You don't need to necessarily be there right in at dawn or dusk. It would be great. Um, But in the summertime, maybe you're not seeing that same behavior anyway. So uh, just getting some trail cameras in there to see kind of quality of deer or animals um, might might be beneficial over time. You'll know what's going on there. Okay. So we've e-scouted, 
We've gone out into the field and put our boots on the ground and looked at it. We've hiked around it. Now bring it back to the computer to cross-reference your field experience. What did you see, and can you plan a better route? Can you play the wind with that route that you went? Was there pockets that had deer in them? Uh, was there trails in there? Did you see other signs of, of people hunting in there? Trash? Uh, people that leave Karens? By the way, I hate little Karens. Uh, not the person to name. It's little stacks of rock. Every time I see a little stack of rock, I kick it over. It drives me nuts. I hate seeing them. Uh, so if you're new to Onyx or something similar to some sort of digital mapping, then going to check it out will really help you learn how to use that digital mapping. And seriously, when you are out in the field, use the crap out of it. Use the measurement tools to fi figure out some different routes to plan your route to uh, as you're going out. It's like, oh, how far is that? Uh, is, how far back to the truck is it? Um mark all kinds of waypoints. I do mark my, my bedding areas. I do mark, uh, rubs. If I hit an area where there's just rub, 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 I don't go marking every rub, but I do just start to say, Hey, here's an area where there's a lot of rut activity. So I want to pay attention to that and know that when I hit that area again, it's probably an area I want to visit because there's a lot of bucks in the area. So after you've been there and you've cross referenced it, um, on Onyx, some places really are just a bust. Move on to the next. That's part of scouting. You may not see anything based on uh, the time of year that you're there. Um, maybe it's it's also the time of year you're there or the time you're, you're actually hunting it. Uh, it could be weather related depending on that area. I, I notice that when I'm scouting for uh, mountain goat. I look at success rates and see that some it's years it's a hundred percent in this one I was looking at some years it's zero, hundred percent, zero back and forth. And that obviously has to do with weather events An area. I'm not interested in hunting because I don't want to rely on some weather to determine if I have any shot at all of getting a mountain goat. So the weather absolutely. And, uh, some other implications like that, the things like that, fire, um, logging, all those sorts of things can, can have the impact on, on that location and the season. So don't forget about those. Um, also don't expect to be a hundred percent confident in everything in learning an area and everything you're, you're trying to learn, set an obtainable goal. Uh, you're not going to necessarily know exactly how those, those animals move through the, that terrain you're hunting. Uh, and they're going to do it completely different once you're there. My goal is to learn something new about an area and learn a new area every single year, trying to pick out a new spot. I love finding new spots and, and not going back to the old ones. So every time you go out, see if you can't find something a little new. I like to give this a bit of a, almost like a rating system. I haven't really gone into a, it would be fun to try and create a, a new spot or a hunting spot rating system. So if anybody's got any ideas or want to put some numbers to it, go for it. So my pieces, my components to my rating system, if I have one would be access. How hard is it for other hunters to get in there? Is it difficult? Uh, is it, um, is it a little up and down? Is it a long ways in, or is it just a short up and down? Next would be the number of hunters that you see in there and the, the other sign. 
the next would be um, the stockability or the ability to ambush in the area. If it is dead flat, like completely flat as a pancake, some of that can be really, really difficult. Maybe as a new hunter, if you're a new hunter or even a veteran, veteran hunter, maybe go find another spot because you're just not going to have a good time because it's so stinking flat. So stockability and ability to ambush is something I look at. And then decent visibility. I get frustrated hunting dense trees. Maybe it's a good thing I, I don't hunt the Northwest in that really thick, dark timber. That's not probably really my style of hunting. I like to have just a little bit of decent availability, visibility. And then also the number of animals. I like to hunt an area that's that has some level of animals to it. And then cool. How cool is it? Is it, is it a place I go and be like, man, this is really neat. I really like seeing it. That's a really cool view. And I love to have that ability to say, I bet not many people get to see this. So all of those things being said, that is my find a spot to hunt uh, rating system. Another thing you need to realize and consider is, bow hunting. Archery hunting is a way to to really uh, fail forward. And failing is while bow hunting has taught me probably the most. I realized the other day, besides my archery elk last year, I mean, I've shot two archery elk bulls in the last two years, but um, only one of them was a, an amazing, great story due to losing the one elk. But I haven't shot a deer with my bow. Yeah, I'm going on like three years. And I've deer hunted year deer every year. Uh, had a lot of encounters, had a lot of misses, got a, all that. It's frustrating, but you know, I've had a lot of encounters. I've learned a lot, got to continue hunting and it hasn't been like my rifle deer last year where I just went and sat on a hill, made a little teeny stalk and shot the deer. Um, it was my biggest buck, but not my proudest buck by any means. Um, bow hunting is something that, that can really teach you a lot. So consider that if you're not a bow hunter, finding new places to hunt is an adventure in itself. Get out into some some of those places now. Um, if if it's that kind of ground, go shed hunt it or just go check it out. The opposite seasons can be a great time to locate animals as they are in a very similar place in the spring as they are during the fall. So good luck to you all and hope you find a, find your next honey hole. Thanks for listening. This is God's country.